we are looking in the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, and we'll be in the first chapter. I will review quickly, quickly, I hope, uh, about John the Baptist, the announcement of the birth of John the Baptist, and, um, and basically sort of read the scripture and make a couple of comments, and then um, go to the announcement of the birth of Jesus and some of the things that are related there. So, um, if you can put on the screen, um, look, the 1, 5 through 25 is what we read concerning John, and 25 starts, then we transition to go to the birth of Jesus Christ, the announcement by the same angel that announced uh, to Zacharias, the father of John, in the temple uh, that he and his wife were well stricken in years and basically too old to have children that they were going to have a son and that, they sh- that he should be called John. Um, while in the temple, um, Zacharias, it was his turn to have the duty as a priest and that came by casting lots, drawing lots, that... It was his turn for a two-week uh, period to offer incense uh, on the altar of incense, uh, <clears throat> which means that out of, outside of the temple, he would go get a, a hot coal uh, uh, from, the, from the altar of sacrifice, uh, take it into the holy place, not the holy of holies, that is the other place that is separated from the holy place by a thick um, curtain called the veil, and then he would uh, come burn uh, the incense there in the holy place, and it would fill up the place, and through the veil, it would then enter into the holy of holies where God is, and it would be a a delicious uh, aroma in the nostrils of God. That relates to how that when we as God's children love one another, that sort of aroma raises up into the, into the presence of God. And in his nostrils, this becomes a delicious aroma, a sweet perfume of how his children love one another. Reminds him of the incense burned in the holy place. So let us read together um, the, 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 the account. We'll just read through and I'll just throw in a, a couple of comments before we go to the... There was in the days of Herod the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias, that's the father of John the Baptist, of the course of Abijah, they have different spellings, and your Bible might be A-B-I-J-A-H, uh, uh, here it is Abijah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Uh, Elizabeth means pledged to God. So if your name is Liz, Lizzie, or Elizabeth, that's what it means, pledged to God. Uh, And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. These were righteous people. They were not just ordinary people. He was a priest, and they were righteous before God. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren. And they both were now well stricken in years. In other words, what it's explaining over there, they were too old to have children, and Elizabeth was barren. Uh, And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office, before God in the order of his course, the, 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 the word course over there means 
a division. Uh, the, the priests were divided into 24 courses or divisions. And he was of the course of Abijah. And because it, is, it was the course of Abijah's turn and the lot fell on him, that is how he was doing, performing the, his duty uh, in, in, in the temple. Uh, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of people were praying without, uh, at, without at the time of incense. So while he was burning the incense over there, there was a host of people that they were praying outside. So he was not just doing the duty of a priest inside and there was nobody else around or whatever. The, on occasion that might have happened. But in this scenario, there were lots of people, a host of people outside praying while this was taking place. Um, and there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And we told you about a legend that, and I'm not going to go into it, but when he saw the angel on his right side, uh, according to legend, then he got all scared, and the scripture tells us over here, for the reason that uh, a couple of guys, two of the sons of Aaron, had, because they had offered the Lord strange fire, God killed them by fire, and then uh, they, they are dead. And from that point on, it is legend, it is not scripture, it is legend, but it was legend among the, the people of God, that uh, they, when the priest would go in, they would tie a rope onto him on his ankles, so that if he would f- come across a situation where he would get killed by the Lord because he offered strange fire, then they had a way of pulling him out without having to go in per se. So, so and that, that was when the, an angel of, of death, that angel would appear on the right side, uh, what was, was the legend. And so when uh, Zechariah saw an angel on his right, <laughs> he's thinking, oh, I'm next to die. Uh, and, and I'm going to get burned over here. So and when Zechariah, that's just a legend, okay? So I don't want you to think that that's scripture. But, but uh, it makes sense because it says that and when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. Uh, but the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zechariah, for thy prayer has heard, is heard. And thy wife, Elizabeth, shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. You would swear that after God answered his prayer, that uh, Zechariah would find it in him to say, wow, maybe so. But in his answer, the angel uh, uh, discerned that there was unbelief in him. And then he, there were consequences for unbelief. Is there consequences for unbelief? Yes. yes. And are there... Are there uh, uh, privileges or blessings with belief? Yes. Okay, we're going to talk about that later because uh, you hear, you'll see here, and there shall, thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. This is John the Baptist. Uh, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. So this is important to know. Can you go back there? This is important to know because this is the things that are going to happen. He shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and he shall neither drink wine nor strong drink. That's the Nazarite vow that he was supposed to take. In the Old Testament, we have a couple of guys, Samuel and Samson, that took Nazarite vows. And here you have uh, uh, John is going to take a Nazarite vow, no, no, no strong drink, and shall be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. So that is to say that if someone can be filled with the Holy Spirit from his, mother, from his mother's womb, this is not a, a, a blob of... Of, 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 of tissue that we're talking about. This is someone who gets filled with the Holy Spirit as a person. Yes. 
There is no way that if you look at Scripture that you could ever justify abortion. Now, if somebody has an abortion, is God going to forgive them? Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that, that part is, is, is non-negotiable. That part is as sure as uh, 11 o'clock follows after 10 o'clock. So God's forgiveness is vast. Uh, and, we, and when we talk about the birth of Jesus, we're going to talk about that a little bit again. Um, so, yes. And, and, and by the way, I, I, I must say this. Uh, just because I'm involved in some of this stuff, uh, I must say this. That people that have had an abortion, they are, and even in the body of Christ, and there's, according to the statistics, there's plenty of people in the body of Christ that have had abortions, but they... They are alone. They have not received uh, healing because there's still a stigma on it. Sort of like there used to be a stigma when somebody got divorced uh, uh, and so on and so forth. Or, or when they had a baby out of wedlock. As, as we, we, we see that some, some people thought that maybe Mary was one of those, which was not, not the case. And, and, um, and so um, there, is, there is healing and there is forgiveness. So if you are one of those that has not received healing and, and, and you had that history, you need to talk to somebody that you can trust and, and, and get healed. And get healed. Okay? God has healing for you. God wants us to be whole people. Whole people. Uh, not broken. Broken people only in the sense that we are broken in our, in our flesh, in our fleshly nature. That God wants to build us up in Him. But not broken because we go through life all defeated and all uh, dejected and all uh, without any victory whatsoever. And many of the children of Israel shall turn to the Lord their God. That's part of what John the Baptist is going to accomplish. Is that he's going to, um, how you call it, uh, uh, mobilize the people uh, of God, the Israelites. That many would come to know the Lord. And he shall go before him in the spirit of power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So he makes, he makes those people ready, get them prepared for the Lord, for the Lord to share his love with them and then many of those people shall be saved. That is, Jesus is going to save those. And Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel says this. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God. He is he's identifying himself as one of those, or maybe the only one, <clears throat> I have to just check in my memory bank, that not every angel stands in front of God. Uh, he was one that stands in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. 20 says this. And behold, thou shalt be dumb, because he discerned that Zacharias was not believing. And so there's consequences. And so the angel smitten him dumb. He couldn't speak till John was named John. At that point, he was going to be able to speak again. So, and this is a while, because <laughs> it's at least nine months, eh? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And thou shalt be dumb and not be able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed. Until these things that you have called him his name. Because thou believest not my words, 
which shall be fulfilled in their season. And, and the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. They were wondering, what's going on? Why is he taking so long, more, longer than usual? And when he came out, the people, he could not speak unto them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. He just gestured and couldn't say a word. And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, in other words, when his job was over, the two weeks were over for him to have the duty of the uh, offer of incense, it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. So he went back to his own house where Elizabeth and he lived. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid himself, herself five months saying this. Thus had the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. Remember in those days, if you couldn't have a child, there was a lot of reproach on you. So now God was going to remove the reproach from her life. And giving her a baby and, and reproach among men. And then it flows into, uh, it, it flows into, and in the sixth month, the, the angel Gabriel, so in her six months of pregnancy, while uh, Elizabeth was pregnant in the sixth month, the same angel that announced the birth of John visits now Mary. And, and was sent from God into the uh, uh, city of Galilee, the city of the, uh, of the area of Galilee called Nazareth. Nazareth. That's where Mary was at the same time, at that time. To a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So here, here, here's where we are today. The virgin's name was Mary. Um, we have to talk about a couple of things here. One that the name Mary is the English version of the Hebrew name, right? The Hebrew name is not Mary. The Hebrew name actually is Miriam. She would respond to the name Miriam. Miriam. And that has been translated into uh, Greek and then into Latin, Maria, and then into English, Mary. So... So I just want you to know that a little bit because when in some, you know, some, we have a Bible at home that was written by a Jewish man, the New Testament. And so in, in that Bible, Jesus is not called Jesus. He's called Yeshua, the, 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 the Jewish name for Jesus. And so when you read in such a Bible, Miriam, hey, this is wrong. Then at least you know what, what's up, okay? Uh, and... You see over here in the scripture, one of the guidelines of reading scripture is that when something uh, uh, is repeated, that makes it that much more important. You can't just for, forget it or look over it or not pay attention to it. <clears throat> and so when it says here, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary... God wants us to pay attention to the fact that she was a virgin. So there's some things to say about a virgin. Uh, one of the things to say about a virgin is that what God has in mind for his children, that is to say daughters as well as sons, that they would remain virgin till they marry. 
Okay, one or two amens, okay. <laughs> I got you, I got you. Uh, oh, where do I go with this? No, I, I'm not shy. Um, but I wonder where I should go with this. So, this is what he wants for his children. Often, though, this is not the case. And then people walk around with guilt trips and all that sort of stuff. Or if they don't walk around with guilt trips, the church make them, makes them walk around with a guilt trip. Okay? Because there's all kinds of guilt uh, uh, put upon them. And, but there is forgiveness in God. Yes? This is one of his big attributes. And this is one of the reasons why our Savior was born 2,000 years ago. To bring forgiveness, salvation. Yes? That is what the name Jesus means. Save, salvation, Savior. Because he's going to save his people from their sins. We need to get, we need to get that through, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters. Because there's too many Christians walking around forever feeling guilty. And there's no forgiveness in their lives. And they feel burdened. And they feel heavy. And they feel defeated. And there's, there's no way you can talk them out of it. I want to talk them out of it right now. Right now. And so, uh, but the idea also of, of the virgin birth is the fact that God was going to have a son, the Savior, our Savior, born of a virgin. Not someone who was a virgin till he was conceived. But no, that she was going to be a virgin even after conception. That during her pregnancy, she was still a virgin. That didn't change till Joseph, after he married her, slept with her and she had some more children. Yeah, that's what happens in a marriage. Uh, so, okay, verse 28. And the angel came into, in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. That needs a little bit of attention because uh, obviously here you say, Hail, thou art highly favored. In other words, greetings, you favored one. You are favored. Does that sound right? Do you feel favored by God? Don't be so shy. I feel very favored by God. The fact that he saved me is great favor. But, and then it says, the Lord is going to be with you. You can be sure that the Lord is going to be with you. And then you have this phrase in the King James, blessed art thou among women. But you don't have that in every translation. In many of the translations, you don't have that phrase. Blessed art thou among women. But is she blessed among women? Is she blessed among women? Oh, big time! You guys are saying yes like you're shy. Big time she is blessed. There is not ever in all of history, uh, of all the universe, that there's going to be one other woman that is going to give birth to the Savior. Not one. She is blessed beyond measure. 
beyond measure. And Elizabeth confirms that in verse 42. When, when uh, Mary goes visit Elizabeth, uh, then she says that she is favored among, among the women. Elizabeth confirms that. So even if in your translation it is not mentioned at this, in this verse, Elizabeth mentions it to you later on. And just by virtue of the fact that your logical thinking can assure you that she is favored among women. And she is highly favored, is what it says. Now, I have a term called uh, reaction religion. You know what I mean by that? Reaction religion. It's because some people believe one thing, then we react to it, and then we throw it out like the baby with the bathwater. And then throw the whole thing out. It used to be, uh, in the, in many, many years ago in the Baptist circles, when people talked about the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they just threw it all out because they were against the speaking in tongues and, and the charismatic movement and these type of things. And then people have come together a little bit more so. That they say it is right here in the Scriptures, spiritual gifts. So why do we throw it all out? Reaction to religion. So... We, as a group of people, we react against another group of people who think, who deify Mary. Mary is not deity. Are you with me? Do you believe that? Mary is not deity. So, that is important to know because for that reason, if you worship Mary, it is Literally, idol worship. Are you with me? Now, I'm not speaking against another group or whatever. I just want you to know what, and if if you think that I'm not thinking right or if I'm not teaching right, raise your hand and tell me I don't think that's right. Then I'll explain myself a little bit more. Uh, and, And that's fine. I won't even be upset. Because I want you to know where to stand. So, um, so, So then because other people deify her, then often we have taken the complete opposite. And nothing about Mary. Nothing about Mary. No. She is blessed and highly favored. And we ought to give her honor as the mother of the Savior. Always. Yes? I honor you being the mother of your son or your daughter. (laughs) Yeah. I honor Michelle being the mother of this cutie over here. Lorena. Yeah, I honor her because she, God has blessed her with such a beautiful daughter inside and out. And it's a blessing, and she's a blessing. So, but then the other thing is, concerning uh, and we are not at at verse 43 yet, but in verse 43... You have where Mary is visiting Elizabeth, and Elizabeth says, How does this favor befall me that I get a visit from the mother of my Lord? Okay, I want to clarify something there also again. Yet, lest we 
not think through it, and then we get trapped in some wrong thinking. <clears throat> the mother of my Lord speaks to the idea that Mary was going to be the mother of the incarnate Lord Jesus Christ. Are you with me? So, she is not the mother of Jesus Christ, the deity. Deity has no mother. <laughs> deity is not created. Jesus is not a created being. In his incarnate state, yes, but in his deity, he was, not, he was there from the beginning. John, the Gospel of John says, verses 1 uh, uh, there. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning, before there was time. So, uh, so the, the idea of that some groups call her the mother of God is foreign to the Scriptures. It is not the exact description of, of uh, uh, Mary. Are you with me? The better description would be the mother of the Lord, Jesus. And then you know in your thinking it would be the incarnate Lord Jesus Christ. Yes? Does that make sense to you? Okay? It is important to me that, you, that it makes sense to you so you don't get twisted up. Thank you. I need to on my side here, brother. Give me, give me the words. <laughs> so... Um, the mother of the Lord. So, um, so, anyways. So, and whence is this come to me? Oh, I'm sorry. And the angel came unto her and said, Thou art highly favored, and the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Verse 29 says this. And when, he saw, when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this would be. She, she, she just didn't know what to think of all this. And... And you wouldn't either. <laughs> if Gabriel pays you a visit, a, a visit and starts talking to you, hey, you, you're blessed and highly favored, you're going to give birth to a son in your virgin state. And then, just like it would happen to, to us, well, not me because I'm not a woman, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> and the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary. He gives her. He gives her. Huh? He gives her assurance. He gives. He settles her down. Um, many times, many times in the scriptures, we hear the words from Jesus: "Fear not, fear not." There have been many different situations where I would say to somebody, I know it is difficult. I know it's upside down. I know it's crazy. But fear not. There is no reason to fear in the presence of God. Um, the other day, I was meeting with a bunch of church leaders and pastors and so on and so forth, ministry leaders, and the, the subject came on, on um, spiritual warfare. And a couple of the sisters in the group were 
confessing that they had been felt, they, they had been feeling uh, a little bit oppressed because they felt an attack of the enemy um, and they felt a little bit down and, and they didn't know how they should pray and they didn't know uh, uh, these type of things. And, and, and I, I, I said to the group, uh, there different people spoke up and I said to them, you know, I just want you to know that none of us, not one of us is exempt from the attacks of the enemy. Not one of us. Not all of it, but a lot of it is just bluff. Bluff. He bluffs you. He tries to intimidate you because he knows better than anybody else that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So he knows that very well. But he tries to bluff us, intimidate us. So <laughs> we go like this. So, and I said to the group, but do not be afraid because God is on your side. He wants you to have victory. But do not be afraid to die for the cause of Jesus either. Because you see, when, when we, think that, we think of victory always that we escape, that we escape certain circumstances. But if you look in the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter, the faith chapter, where it speaks about the giants of the faith, when you read two-thirds of the chapter, it is people are being, they, they escape uh, the swords, and they are, uh, 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 escape the mouths of lions, and these type of things. Then in, in, in within the same one verse, it switches and says that some people had to hide in caves. Some people were sawn in too for their belief. These were giants in the faith. So, but so if you then always think that victory means delivery out of difficult circumstances, you're going to get messed up because that is not always so. Because God, He doesn't operate like that always. Okay? So, and of course, if you believe a certain theology, then you disagree with me, but that, that's okay. Uh, because we find that God's children, through the history of the Old Testament and New Testament, they want to exempt from hard times. They want to exempt from difficulty. I mean, matter of fact, so many of the apostles were, were killed in, 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 in atrocious ways. Somebody got uh, 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 crucified upside down. So I don't want to go there because this is Christmas, you know, I should have a, a happier message. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm just trying to say, I'm just trying to say to you, fear not. Fear not. Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. You have found favor with God. Next verse. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. Jesus. 32. And he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord, shall, the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. That was one of the requirements for kingship in Israel in the Old Testament was that you should be of the, of the, the house of David. Uh, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob, over Israel, forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. There is, so, in other words, his kingdom, he's from the house of David, and so therefore he is one of the requirements for kingship, um, and because he will never die because of the resurrection, there will never be an end to his, king, his kingship. It will be forever. 
forever, and there shall be no end. Verse 34. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Now, you might say to yourself that this sounds similar to the question that Zacharias asked. But not so, because in this scenario, the angel discerned that she did believe. That she did believe. Mary believed, and he did not. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the idea of believing. Believing. Um, I guess I cannot express to you uh, strongly enough the importance of faith in your walk with Jesus Christ. It is not just about coming to church. It is not just about giving money. It is not just about serving. It is not just about, it is not about anything if it is not by faith. I want you to hear me loud and clear. And it says in different places, in many places I should say, that the just shall live by faith. Now what does that mean to you? That when you need $10,000 because you need a new car, then you have faith that you're going to get a new car. Or the $10,000 to buy a new car. Okay? Okay, maybe exercise faith over that. But it's not talking about that it's talking about that it just shall live by faith. This is how you live. You live by faith. And trusting God for everything. That there is not a day that goes by that you haven't walked in faith in some form or fashion. If not all day long. There is a scripture in Romans, I want to say 12, uh, 14, 23c. Would you, can you put it on Romans 14, 23? Just put 23 on it, and I'll just go to see. I will read the whole thing. But he that doubts is condemned if he eats, because if he does not eat from, from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. See, we think of sin as stealing something, saying a lie or something like that. But if you are walking in any other way than by faith, you are walking in a sinful way. I didn't say it. It's right there. You can read it for yourself. So, the idea of faith is humongous with God. Humongous with God. Let me look at my notes over here because I, wanna, I don't want to miss too much over here. Um, so then, if a lack of faith has consequences. Yes, we said that already earlier. Yes? And, and they might not be drastic consequences. They might just be consequences that you don't get the blessing that you otherwise would have had. But Zacharias was not that fortunate. He was dumb for nine months. Couldn't speak. And there's other ways of uh, escaping a blessing because you didn't believe. But if you believe... There will be blessing. What is faith? Well, you have in Hebrews 11 chapter, you have a definition of faith. So I don't want to go there so much. I just want to show 
that so many Christians misunderstand the idea of faith. So many Christians, and I'm speaking of first-hand experience, that people have expressed these things to me. When I was explaining about faith, they say, well, where does faith come in then? You mean I cannot ask for a Cadillac and God is going to give it to me? If I, if I ask by faith? Well, I don't know. If that's God's will, he might give you a Cadillac. Just be sure that when you ask for a Cadillac, you can pay for the insurance. Otherwise, why would he even give you a Cadillac? So they just think that they just call it faith, that God is obligated somehow to provide it, to give it to them. Nothing is further from the truth. <laughs> so, and then some people, they pray for something, and they pray long for something but it is not in God's will for them to have it. And in many instances, they think that their prayer was wrong, so that's why they didn't get it. It is not about faith in your prayer, brothers and sisters. It is faith in the one you're praying to. It is not how long you pray or what fancy words you pray or whatever. You know, my mind jumped to something that I read in Rabbi Zacharias' uh, 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 newsletter. And he says, so often we get confused about the length of prayer. The thief on the cross, he said about nine words in his prayer. Lord, remember me when you come into your paradise. Something along those lines. And after those nine words, the Lord granted him entrance into the kingdom of God. So I'm not saying pray short. I'm not saying pray long. There is times where you need to pray long. There's times where you need to pray short. Just be sure that your faith is in the one you're praying to, not in your prayer. Nor is your faith, should your faith be in your faith. Your faith is strictly in God. Totally. So, I have a few things to say about this faith thing. Obviously, we cannot uh, uh, exhaust exhaust the the, the idea. But, um, I I, want to see that that here, you know, you find Mary, she is believing... And, and, and the, the, the believing brings blessing with it. It, it, it. it just does. Mary had to trust God for many different things. Do you stop and think what Mary had to trust God for? Well, she believed what God was saying. And, but she had to trust God for... The Old Testament rules were this, that if you are betrothed to somebody and you get pregnant without being married or get pregnant by somebody else, then you get stoned to death. 
So she had to trust God that God was going to take care of that. She had to trust God that God was going to see her through in the communion, communal uh, uh, circumstances, in the community where they would have uh, 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 casted her out or, or ridiculed her or teased her or called her names. She had to trust that God was going to take care of all that. She had to trust that God was going to take care. What about Joseph? What? You're pregnant? <laughs> well, God dealt with Joseph. <laughs> Joseph, you married her, okay? And then God protected the child. That's, that's for, for maybe next week or something. So many different things that uh, Mary had to trust God for. I want to move along because, and the angels, the angels' answer was, the Holy Spirit shall come upon you, the power of the highest shall overshadow you, and your son shall be holy and be called the Son of God. And then, let's look at the, at the next few verses over here. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, so the, the angel is sort of convincing her maybe a little bit, or just sharing with her, what God has already done for her cousin, Elizabeth. And she says, And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she had also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. So I made a point last week, I believe, uh, that according to what you read over here, who was older, John the Baptist or Jesus? John the Baptist by at least six months, yes? Um, also depending on if Mary had an early bird or whatever, or late bird, whatever. Uh, uh, so uh, at least six months older. And, um, and yet, in the book of John, we see John the Baptist speaking about Jesus. He who comes after me was before I was. So John the Baptist understood that Jesus was there from the beginning. Deity Jesus was there from the beginning. Before, though, he was older than Jesus, and Jesus came after him in the incarnate state, yet he was there from the beginning, and John the Baptist knew that. So, but then, then you have these words. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. That's another one of those verses that is misrepresented, misunderstood. With God, nothing shall be impossible. What does that mean? He can do all things. Anybody else? More than we can think or imagine. That is true. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Say that again. Yeah, amen. So, in other words, whatever God says, nothing is impossible, whatever He says. That doesn't mean that you can say, well, you know what? I'm sort of like Tarzan. I'm going to swim across this river because nothing is impossible with God. People do that all the time. I just give you an extreme example. But people do that all the time. Pastor, would you, you know, pray for me? I have a test uh, today. 
And I asked the question, well, how shall I pray? Did you study? Or do you want God to take the test for you? So I'm going to pray that God will bring to your memory all that you studied. If you didn't study, nothing will come to your memory. (laughs) You see, this is how we deal with God all the time. So I want to be a little bit ridiculous so you get the point that I'm trying to make. When it says that nothing shall be impossible, when he says that a virgin birth, it will be a virgin birth. When he says you will, dry, you will pass through dry land uh, the, because the waters of the Red Sea will stand up and you're going you're gonna to pass through dry land. But you're not going to pass through dry land just because you say, well, nothing is impossible with God. I'm going to go pass through dry land. This is not for you. And we'll come to that in just a little bit. You see, so whatever he says, that is not impossible. Whatever it looks like to you with God, that is not impossible. Verse 38, and this is another one where we need to. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Then we have to, say, we have to talk a little bit about this. And, and Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. She's basically saying, I'm submitting. I am yielding. Behold, I'm available. One. Secondly, be it unto me according as thy word. Be it unto me. Whatever you say, whatever God's word is, let that happen to me. I make myself available no matter what. But I need to talk to you a little bit about according to thy word. The word Word, over here, is the particular Greek word called rhema. Rhema. Have you heard of rhema? R-H-E-M-A. R-H-E-M-A. Rhema. The word mostly used in the scriptures is the word logos. Logos. The word logos has to do with the general overall word of God. And that includes Jesus himself. He is also called the Logos. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with with God, and the Word was God. That is the Logos over here. But here the word Rema is used. Rema is a different scenario. Rema is a specific word to a person or a specific word to a group of people. For them. So for you to think, that everything spoken in the New Testament pertains to you, that is not, or the Old Testament is not true. Some of it is not spoken to you. You're not going to have a baby being a virgin. This is a rhema. This was specifically for Mary. Now, I must say to you that even though This is not a word directly from you, or to you, from God. But it is a word that you can glean lessons from for your Christian walk. Yes? So in that sense, it is also a word to you. But it is not that word that the angel spoke, that that is for you. It is the lessons that come from it are for you. Are you with me? 
So what are some of the lessons that I'm I'm learning as a man concerning uh, uh, the angel speaking to Mary? Is that when God speaks to me, I should listen and I should believe. And make myself available. And commit and submit to him if I'm going to receive the blessing that he has for me. Or else I'll likely forfeit it. I can tell you, I can tell you how many men of God have forfeited. Shall I call you, name you a couple of them? One of them I admire, actually. Have you heard of a guy named Jimmy Baker? From, uh, what is the PTL, Praise the Lord organization? I actually admire Jimmy Baker. Although he made many mistakes, and he confesses himself, because after he came out of prison, or during prison, he wrote a book. This, this thing, I read it. I was wrong. Somebody said to me, I don't want to read a book when somebody says I was wrong. I said, no, 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 no. That's the book I want to read. For somebody to confess that they were wrong, I want to read what, what went wrong so that I don't make that mistake. So I admire him for him and for, for, for that. And, 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 and his heart was right, but he messed up. Because when the blessings of the Lord came, ultimately the flesh started taking over. That cocky head of the flesh pops up, and it wants the credit. And if we are not careful, brothers and sisters, this can happen to every single one of us. Guard your heart, brothers and sisters. And so pretty soon he started thinking, ah, sort of like he's God. He doesn't need God so much. He can, he can do it himself. Poof. But the punishment that he got, it is my firm belief, firm belief, that they tried to make an example of him, and they nailed him for it, uh, and not, not, not justified. And they didn't, they didn't research all that had happened thoroughly to, to give him uh, justice along those lines. Anyways, neither here nor there. So the rhema, he says, she says, this word that you just spoke to me, I believe it. Rhema means... Um, um, for example, when the Lord told me uh, 30 plus years ago, I don't want you to drink any more alcohol. That was a rhema. I don't want you to drink any more coffee. That was a rhema. That is not for you. Do you drink coffee? She drinks coffee. And so I'm not imposing my rhema on her. That was my rhema. That was the word that God spoke to me. No more coffee. No more alcohol. She can drink her coffee because God hasn't spoken that rhema to her. You follow what I'm saying? So that is a specific word to a specific person. Now he might have spoken a different rhema to her. Uh, and that's fine. And he's spoken to me many rhemas. Many. I'm a Christian, so I walk by faith for the most part. And he speaks rhema to me so that I might follow him wherever he's leading me. In many different ways. Even when sometimes I mess up, he spoke a rhema to me, get me out of the mess. And so, now then, we, we talked about the fact that Mary then yielded and submitted to God. I want to just give you a, a, a list, if they, put, if they put it on for me, um, the difference between committing 
and submitting. Committing and submitting. They sound the same, and they, if you're not careful, you think they are the same-ish, but they are not the same. Uh, committing means committing means you, you, you commit to be on the team. Submitting means you'll follow the leader. You're not going to go on the team, and you're going to do it your way. You're going to follow the leader. That is not to say that you don't have input. If that leader is a good leader, he'll want your input. So I'm not going there. I'm not expounding completely. But I'm just, I'm just saying. Believe in the cause when you commit. But when you submit, do what it takes to advance the cause. So you're not just on the team. <laughs> Drink my coffee. I'm on the team. <laughs> okay. You are working to, 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 to make the cause come true. For, you're working as a worthy cause. That's why you have submitted to it in the first place. And you're working to help this cause come to, for this thing to expand and, 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 to, and to advance. Committing means what I see so often in the church, working for God. I'm doing this for God. Submitting means I'm working with God. That's a whole different ballgame. When you're working with God, you are asking him what he wants. i give you an example. I call this example, it's an old example. It just popped in my head, sorry. Um, I call it uh, vacuuming the living room. Vacuuming the living room. I was on my way to work, but I was a little bit early. So I had maybe about 10 or 12 or 15 minutes to burn. To, to. So I thought, you know what? I'll be a good husband I get the vacuum cleaner, and I'll vacuum the living room. <laughs> and uh, thinking I'm doing a great job. <laughs> and I'm putting up the vacuum cleaner, and uh, I told Sybil I, I vacuumed the living room, and she tried to be happy about it. She is such a kind and generous person, and gracious person. Uh, but I saw something in her eye. You see something in his eyes? Sometimes, you, yeah, yeah. I told the women in my Sunday school class, when you walk in, I will know exactly how your husband treated you this week. I can see it in your eyes. So I, <laughs> so I saw in her eyes. Yeah, watch out. <laughs> so I saw in her eyes, uh, sort of like a hesitation. I said, so honey, what's the matter? She says, well, I've already vacuumed the living room. She wasn't disappointed, but she just let me know. She, so I put away the vacuum cleaner, like I said, and in a quiet moment, the Lord just spoke to me. That's what you do with me. You're not even asking me what I want. You just go do stuff for me. Yes. Well, I'm not even sure that I, that I did tell her, to tell you the truth, but she knew about it. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and instead of asking God, and instead of asking Sybil, hey, how can I help? You got 15, 20 minutes left. How, how, what can I best do? I, I, I just burst ahead and vacuum the living room. That was already vacuumed. And, and that's how often we do it with God. That's what it means to work for God. I did it for her. If I was working with her, I would have done something else because I would have known 
that the vacuum, the, the living room has already been vacuumed. Now maybe I can wash dishes or whatever. Or clean the bathroom sink that I used to always leave messed up after I just cleaned it, after shaving in there and, and, wash, and washing my face in there. There was hair in the sink that she had just cleaned and I didn't clean it up like I was supposed to. I know better now, but... <laughs> That's what I mean by working for God or working with God. And it's crucially important. Now, I'm not just trying to play with words. I'm just trying to show you, and you know exactly what I mean when I say that, that so many of us just think we can do something fantastic for God, and He doesn't want us to do that. He wants to do something else. So, hey, some husbands, they... The wife has been gone for a few days, or a confidence, or whatever, have seen family, and they want to put a, 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 a sign, a banner. Welcome home. But the house is dirty, disorderly, dishes in the sink, and whatever else. Hey, you know what, huh? Okay, well, maybe so, maybe so. I, I, I maintain, though, that the best sign for the welcome home sign is when that house is in order, when the dishes are clean, that's a be- much better sign. Ladies, you agree with that, or am I just blowing out here? Okay, okay. <laughs> I heard an amen over there. Scooter, did you hear that, brother? I heard an amen over there, brother. <laughs> Mike, do I hear an amen from you, Mike? <laughs> We're good friends, so I can tease him a little bit, okay? <laughs> Don't be embarrassed for him. We're good friends. <laughs> so... So that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about when it relates to God. We've got to be a little bit sharper and do a little bit better. So now, I, one, I have one more thing to say, and then I'm, then I'm through. I, I went pretty good. I didn't even realize I was going to be this long. Uh, but I, I'm not even asking you about submitting. But I'm asking you, about committing. When you commit to something, do you live up to your commitment? Let me just be clear this. Okay. Let us say I have committed to Keith that I'll be there. We will meet. Where, where are we meeting, Keith? Barnes and Noble. Noble. I like to meet at Barnes and Noble. I get, what do I get there, Brendan? Hot chocolate and a, and a coconut macaroon. <laughs> so that's what we're going to get. And uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. This is my word. I have committed to that. Yes? So let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. So this was just a yay. We're going to meet at 3 o'clock at Barnes & Noble. If I can't make it, I have to let them know that I'm not going to make it. Yes? Or even if I'm going to be late. I do a little texty-texty. If, if I'm going to be 30 seconds late, I don't have to text him. He is gracious enough. I don't have to take the time because now that I'm 60 seconds late, you know. Um, so, uh, but if I'm going to be late, I text him real quick. So he doesn't wonder. So did he forget what's going on? He knows what's up. Uh, hey, uh, Keith, run, uh, on my way, running a little bit late. Done. Now. If I do not show up, I better must have forgotten it completely, that the Lord took it away from my mind completely, and therefore I missed it. 
If I know that I'm supposed to meet him at 3 o'clock, I'm supposed to meet him at 3 o'clock. That is my yay. Let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. I made a commitment. And I believe that too many of us in Christian circles take our commitments too lightly. So that was just a, a quick word. Um, and I believe that often we take our commitment to the Lord too lightly. I, didn't, I heard the yes, but I didn't get an amen on that or whatever. That's okay. <laughs> I just love you. I just love you. And, and therefore, I feel like I need to be truthful to you. <laughs> 